0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered
1: through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming live
2: on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
3: and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 4.30 today, we'll talk with uh, Richard Deitch of The Athletic, covers media, so we can talk to him about some of the uh, ratings out there for this Super Bowl, and I'm going to imagine they set new records. I'm going to guess that's just the case, because this sport, it doesn't shrink in any way, Dave. It just continues to
0: grow everywhere. Yeah, it's just a monster. And (laughs) now, you know, I don't know that it would have been that exciting, honestly, without Jason Kelsey's girlfriend. I really think that added a lot to it. I mean, I think a lot... Matt of- would like to issue a correction. Uh, Travis.
1: I didn't what, watch the game. What did I say? That. You said Jason. Oh, Jason.
0: Jason Kelsey's.
3: Well, his lovely wife, wife was up there. Yeah. Was, what was he up there? He was like oh, in overalls God. or something, like Chiefs
0: overalls. He and,
1: looked really... And, uh, there was some stuff after the game. He had like a wrestling, a Lucha Libre mask on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the Luchador mask. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is, like last time when he took his shirt off, I was like, uh, you know, he's a big barrel-chested guy and everything. This time, I was like, now you're starting to get out of shape a little bit there, Jason. Maybe he's <laughs> for sure retiring. But, uh, yeah, he had those ridiculous uh, were overalls that were, yeah, like, checkered Chiefs, with yeah, yellow Chiefs and gear.
3: red. He was, he was yeah. sporting all, all Chiefs gear. He was there for his bro. So, yeah, that was interesting. I thought, it, yeah, I had... Every time Taylor Swift popped onto the screen, I had great delight because I knew there was a segment of the football-watching community that was up in arms and really getting up tight and rocking back and forth, maybe a little drool going on, just, I'm done with football. Like, yeah, go ahead. There's somebody right behind you. Nobody's worried about yeah, that. No, nobody cares about that. I Come can't on, watch man. it anymore. Oh, you should have seen the, the well, faux outrage.
0: And then uh, Blake Lively was up there, too. And I, I read her lips one time. Did you <laughs> see that? No. Both me Did And Shannon we're like, yeah. She said something about uh, like shut the front door. Basically, oh. is what she said. Okay. Yeah. So and then you know that was a nice view there with some beautiful people yeah, Miles there. Teller, uh, your His favorite wife. Ice Spice was up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Ice it was. Spice. It was I a, know who that was.
3: It was a who's who up there. Uh, meanwhile, Seahawks were there with their new head coach, they've got their new coordinator. So we're all wondering, all right, what's this team gonna look like? There's a, I, I love that it's all new. I love that there's nobody you, you look at and go, Well, he did this with Detroit or he was this guy with the Broncos or whatever. It's man, you're this is a complete one eighty. You're going with guys that have no experience at the NFL level across the board. So this is, this is going to be very interesting. But uh, he, here he is talking with Brock and Salk this morning about their plan to build the offense.
2: I want to build the offense through the same lens of how we're building, of how we built the defense, and we're going to build it here. So we have to be really, really good at the core philosophies, core fundamentals, core concepts. And then we want to be able to apply those things, you know, on a game-to-game basis based on who we're playing. So we don't want to reinvent our offense every week. So we have to have a core identity so what is that? Well, we're going to be a physical unit. Like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna run the football, you know. And we want to have answers for the quarterback, and we want to keep it consistent for him, you know, so he can play fast and play decisive, and uh, and get the ball to our playmakers.
0: I think Mike McDonald, as a defensive coordinator in the league, and and just being on that side of the ball, has probably seen a lot of offenses. Over the years, that just entirely changed their identity, mm-hmm. and you know that's. And I, I could see him sit there, sitting there, looking at film, going, "Now, why would they do that?" You know, I, and it sounds like, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna have our offense, yeah. and then." And he said the same thing about defense, and I really liked because that's always how I remembered it. Like you install your defense, and then you know you just work the heck out of it during the preseason, the OTAs, all of that stuff, and then you get to the get to the scheduled season, and you're like, okay, this is where we have to adjust here, and this is where we have to adjust there. But in the meantime, just – and I'm wondering if that didn't happen as much. I don't have as keen of an eye as far as watching offense. We were out there at practice lots of times we were on the air, but I didn't see them – you know drastically changing what they did offensively but maybe that's something that Mike McDonald has noticed from teams and uh, it's, it's kind of interesting how he explains like that's basically how he's talking about building the defense as well
3: well he expands a little more on that core identity for the offense
2: it needs to be an efficient unit you know we want to be able to possess the ball we want to be able to uh, obviously be explosive and not turn the ball over and I think that's going to come through run and play action on early downs, and then when we when we are forced to dr- you know drop back in those situations, having a consistency in, in 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 the in the quarterback's reads so he can play fast and uh, and uh, and be decisive. you know when we have to drop back and throw the ball.
3: I wonder how different the O line may look, if at all. If he if his focus is we're going to be physical, we're going to run the ball. Now these are. Almost cliches at this point because I feel like you hear that with every team. We're going to be physical. We're going to, but if that's of truly his point of emphasis, like man, I want in the trenches. We need to win. We need to win. I want to dominate there. I wonder, you think the the offensive line gets a, a small makeover, or do you think it's it's pretty much what it is? Maybe there's maybe there's a different center. Maybe you, it's Olu. You mean personnel wise? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, Olu is the one you know you look at that guy him and uh is it Anthony uh, Bradford, Bradford you look at those two guys and go how do you really judge them because you make such a huge jump from your first year to your second year i'm sure he can identify whether or not he is seeing certain things out of out of both of those players i like bradford's nastiness that's for sure yeah um, olu seems like every other center that i've ever spoken to. Cerebral. Just very cerebral, very calm and pragmatic and just like, okay, that's that's the guy you want there. That goes back to Blair Bush who I played with with the, the Seahawks. Some of you old-timers might remember, but yeah, I don't, uh, those two, I don't know how you could really make that much of a, a judgment, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what Damian Lewis, he's the one guy I think is the most kind of head-scratching just because I don't think he's looked terrible, but like I felt like he was gonna take a step or two and that by the time he was into like his third, fourth year, he'd be a pro bowler.
3: I almost feel like his rookie year was his best
0: year. It was. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it, it was. certainly
3: feels that way. Um maybe Big Ray would have a different impression of that. But yeah, he just he hasn't uh grown into that dominant guard you thought he was going to. He really was the, there was a reason to be excited about it. Yeah, him he was solid after his rookie year. But yeah. all right, coming up, uh, Wyman's name was brought up during an interview with Mike McDonald earlier. Is that true? Your name was brought up. We're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on
4: 710. Scanning the airwaves
2: for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the
1: dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald was uh, telling Brock and Salk how he met his wife when uh, they were together in Baltimore. And then Brock got all excited and try to get Wyman in trouble.
2: Yeah, she's awesome. So we met in Baltimore. Uh, she was cheering for the Ravens at the time. So we, your rules. You can't date cheerleaders it's coach or whatever. But that, that was uh-oh. more on her side. Uh-oh. So we. Uh-oh. we uh-oh. 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 What's that, Brock?
3: Oh, uh, we got an afternoon host who did the same thing as a player there for the Seahawks. <laughs> so he's
0: gonna love that story. Uh huh. Uh huh. Snitch. <laughs> Snitch. Well, and we also have a weekly guest who did the same thing, Paul Moyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting. I think Was Schlereth's his... wife a cheerleader? No. Okay. No. Not in that rarefied air like me and Paul. You and Paul. And no, Mike no. McDonald. It's a rare man who can pull that off. But yeah, yeah. Look, at, look at Brock trying to just throw you under the table. <laughs> Brock, he's so silly. You know, I remember whenever he would, you know, bring that up, it, he would almost be like a little kid. He's like, Weidman, he... His wife's a cheerleader. He, he, he. I don't know. Yeah, he just...
3: Especially if he thinks he he got you. He giggles to himself. He's very satisfied with
1: himself. Yeah, he's
0: the funniest guy he knows. That's That's exactly right. right. Yeah.
1: Sweeping the dial. We talked about some of the key plays in the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll kind of get into maybe the repercussions of what happened in overtime for the 49ers. But this was a big one. The Chiefs, because they got the ball second. They had to go for it on fourth and one, and they converted.
0: Comes down to this play. With the game on the line. Jump off sides first. Mahomes has it. He's easily going to get the first.
3: Yeah, they went for it, and Mahomes is a weapon, man. His mobility, you, I, I didn't think they would pass on that, but maybe I thought maybe a little short one across the middle to Kelsey or somebody, but a lot of open space in front of him. Andy Reid just drawn up the perfect play when they needed it
0: most. Mahomes, 66 yards. Uh, I think that kind of got left behind the long of 22. He did a really good job running the ball and I'm all for quarterbacks running. I, You know, I think that they make such a big deal about the fragility of quarterbacks that these are big, you know, tough guys. I mean, they can they're still you know they can take a hit and he did take a couple of hits but i think the way that he his decision making i thought was really good that might have been the difference in the game because there was a couple of times where i'm like oh man where's he gonna go here and then he just takes off running he's such a weapon man and it's it's kind of funny because it's not like he's this big huge guy like cam newton um i mean i think the the one thing about him that's the most unique is all the different arm slots that he can throw the ball yeah. from. Yeah, throws and, with both hands. Yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while he'll do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's kind of weird, though. He, he doesn't have, like, that classic look like he's very kind of off tempo a little bit sometimes where it's like you don't really know what he's going to do yeah I talked about jsn that way like when you look at him run jackson smith and Jigba, it doesn't look like he's going that fast but he's covering lots of ground it's kind of like mahomes he just he just has a way of you know really using his legs and he's not really known for that yeah he's
3: to me he's kind of like aaron Rodgers in the He's not a burner. He's not. He's not gonna outrun everybody down the field, but he makes the right move. He, he'll he'll make that step to the left, right, forward, back, what have you, and he's fast enough to take advantage of the green grass in front of him when that yeah. window is open for just a brief second. He makes it punitive. He's he's just he's very adept at using what he has. He's not. He's certainly not a runner like Lamar Jackson as a runner, and he's not like Cam Newton was or yeah. Michael Vick certainly or anything like. That. He's kind of more like. Kind of like Russell, speed wise, he's kind of a thicker dude. who, You know, they call him Patrick. Uh, we've seen him in pictures with the shirt off. He's, you know, he's he's not body beautiful, but he's he's got some
0: beef on him. He can take a hit. He's not Jason Kelsey no. or anything like that. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he ran the ball eight, nine times. So yeah, it was uh, that was significant, and I thought I
1: thought he did a really good job with it. Sweeping the dial. Well, speaking of uh, the guy that you dubbed, Fatrick. I didn't. Air. That's what you didn't dub You dubbed it you uh, right. in, in. You know, it's in you pro it on football here. reference. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. I, in case he's listening, I didn't call him. That. So if Patrick Mahomes is listening, uh, no, but he had that big run there. It was a struggle though for the Chiefs' offense in the first half, uh, just three points on the board. So here was Mahomes after the game uh, saying what he told his team at halftime.
4: Yeah, I think it. Was, I think it was really cool. I mean, honestly, it was just be us, um, nothing more, nothing less. Um, offensively, we knew we weren't playing our best football, but we felt like we weren't executing at a high level. Obviously, the 49ers have a great defense, and you don't execute, they're going to make stops. And um, we felt like everybody was playing hard. We just got to pick up our execution. Execution and continue to get better and um, defense had kept us in the game and so for us we just said be us let's be us out there if we're gonna go down let's have fun let's enjoy it um, give everything we have and we'll, we'll live with the results after.
3: Seems to be the right message. I mean, let let's do what we do. If, we, if it if it results in a win, so be it. If it doesn't, okay. At least we we were true to ourselves and we we didn't play tight. We didn't try to alter who we've been all season and, and for the past few years. So. And it worked. I mean, that first half, it was – I was surprised. It felt – I know it was only 10-3, but it felt dominant. It felt like the 49ers were kind of dominating. Like they – if McCaffrey doesn't fumble, don't you almost assuredly feel like they're going to they're gonna score a touchdown on that drive? Because they were just moving the ball down the field.
0: Yeah. By the way, what was with – I don't know if we covered this – Pacheco's fumble. Did he try to lateral it back to somebody or – there was one play down
3: by, like, a well, 10 it wasn't a, a fumble because I think he his guy caught it. As he was going down, he kind of looked like he flipped it yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – That was goofy. I don't know if that was intentional or if it was just made to look that way. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it, it's – can't help but think of how different things might have been if McCaffrey didn't fumble because that drive, the 49ers were rolling.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, and there, like you said, there's three, four, you know, plays that we've talked about, whether it's missing the extra point or – yeah. You know, the turnover on special teams. Yeah. Just barely hitting the guy's foot. I mean, you got all that space and a hundred yard field, 53 and a third wide, and it comes right down on the guy's foot. I mean, that's the thing, you know, where people say things like Chuck Knox used to say, it all comes down to three or three to five plays. Uh, it's a game of inches. I mean, all kinds of things. Like, you know, I was looking at the the blocked extra point and how the guy just kind of, it's like, I think he got hit and his arm moves in. And if he hadn't gotten hit, it it wouldn't have been there. And, and it was a low kick too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. But, and and I don't know, maybe it was even off target. But, yeah, there's all these little things that, that happen. And when that ball bounced off that guy's foot, I knew exactly what it was. And I'm like, oh, man, it's just a bad break right there. And those guys weren't doing it. They weren't terribly irresponsible. They were a little bit close to the punt returner. But, yeah, little, little things like that that you don't think will make a difference when you're playing Uh, they can come back to haunt you.
3: Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up, there is plenty that makes the Super Bowl a worldwide event. We'll talk about everything that happened on the field during the broadcast with Richard Deitch of The Athletic. He's going to join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
2: Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
3: We'll be catching up with Richard Deitch of The Athletic here momentarily, trying to lock him down. Meanwhile, the text line is there for you at 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Whatever you guys have on your mind, you want to weigh in on the game last night, you want to weigh in your feelings on the uh, halftime show, the commercials... Shanahan's a dope. He should have taken the ball. He shouldn't have taken the ball in overtime. He did the right thing. He did the wrong thing. Whatever you got on your mind. A lot of people, a lot of opinions coming out after that game, Dave.
0: Hey, by the way, and I think we'll hear this from our guy from The Athletic, um, Tom Brady coming into the booth next year, right? They yeah. said he's doing the Super Bowl. The next Super Bowl, is that right? I guess, yeah. Yes. I guess so. He's going to be another guy part of the A team. He'll be ignoring.
3: Uh, and it'll be if, another guy that people complain about. Yeah. It'll probably... I mean, even more so than you know, Romo was a in terms of name, he was a star as a player. I'm not saying he was the greatest quarterback in the league, but he was a, everybody knew Tony Romo and he was very good at times. And the with that comes a level of scrutiny when you get into the booth, but this is gonna be a different level of attention being paid to Tom Brady, who's considered the goat, don't you think? Yeah. Like people are gonna be analyzing every moment of the goat in the booth and him breaking down football.
0: I don't think Tony Romo was drafted. I think he he went to Eastern Illinois. He's an amazing actually and I don't know if you you say you don't listen to him and I yeah, I mean, I don't li- hang on every single word, but I think he does a pretty good job. But he has he's had a pretty if you go and look through the uh whenever the I remember whenever the Cowboys would send out their their media book, I mean, Tony Romo figures prominently in a lot of career stats as far as a Cowboy goes.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. He's uh I'll be I'll be Curious to see how quick people are to jump down the throat of Tom Brady. Ah, he yeah. He said that he's trying to be this. He didn't do that. He didn't say this, that, or the other. There'll be a lot of. Uh, there's a, the spotlight will be very bright on him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I mean, listen, the guy, he knows ball, Dave, and <laughs> he uh, does. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see how he how he translates on TV, like how how he's going to get that message out and how he's going to how just how comfortable is he going to sound. Because he's, he's not a guy you hear a ton from. I mean, he's not, he's not a recluse, but he didn't, he, we didn't really see his personality until he got to Tampa Bay, I didn't feel like.
0: You know, some of the things, I'll tell you a couple stories about Tom Brady while we wait. One is Paul Moyer, our guy, and maybe we'll ask him sometime, but he was down with his son down at UCLA, and he was when this was years ago when his son was uh, i think either going to play baseball or or football with ucla i can't remember he's a really good athlete nick nick moyer mm-hmm. um so he uh, saw tom brady out there working out at ucla and so he went over and, you know, he looked like he was winding down. He went up and talked to him, and he just, like said, it was just the coolest guy ever. He's like, hey, I'm Paul Moyer. I played in the league. This is my son. And, you know, he just started asking Nick all kinds of questions. And, and then, you know, you see some of these things, like when they have those well, there was some kind of a player forum where he was up there. It was right after practice because he still had, like, his gear on. And they were asking him about the hits on the quarterback. And he was saying how, you know, a lot of that is on the quarterback. You loved that. Yeah. Oh, I just – for him to have that kind of, uh, I don't know, that feeling, I, I just thought – because he's right. I mean, and Moyer, speaking of Paul Moyer, used to always say, hey, look – they, they should be finding these quarterbacks for throwing the ball like hospital balls.
3: But to hear a, a quarterback say yeah. things like that is pretty rare. Well, and, yeah. that, and that immediately ingratiates him to you guy. You go, he's one of us. Well, I'll call him a football player.
0: <laughs> yeah, but here's why. I mean, like he has he has enough understanding and that he's like, yeah. I mean, we're we're part of the problem, and also if you're a receiver playing for him, you like hearing him say that because he's taking responsibility.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think he acknowledges the way the 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 rules have changed, even in his time, from beginning to where it is now, protecting yeah. quarterbacks and things like that. He Aikman acknowledges it. I mean, I, there's probably I would think if you were a quarterback that took a beating in the '90s and the early 2000s, and you're watching the rules now, you're going, "Yeah, these guys Come have on. no idea what I had to go through. I was getting my brains beaten in, and there were no flags. Yeah. Now you can't even." Look in the guy's direction without. Oh, he fell on you. Are yeah. you okay? I was. Getting, you know, these guys are getting just crushed. Brock Purdy got horse collar tackled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, the dirty nephew of. Uh, yeah, the you know, the cousin to the <laughs> hip drop. The hip drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's uh. I don't know. It, it it's it's interesting. I appreciate that honesty, though. I do, especially from somebody that played that position. This says, yeah. man. These rules are kind of implying they're a little out of control. Yeah. I I I respect that, and I get why defensive guys like you and Moyer would sort of look at him differently. And go, you know what? He's one of us. Yeah. He's one of us. We'll that. we'll go ahead and call him a football player. Uh, we're we're still efforting Richard Deitch, I guess no answer. Did you leave a message? You leave him voicemails going, uh, "Hello, you're supposed to be with us right now."
1: In the Mahomes voice, I should do that. Call him back in the Mahomes voice. (laughs) The Mahomes voice. How about? I think I know
0: he's he's been writing about this, but uh, will Belichick work this year as a television analyst? Heck no! What is it? I can't imagine. That is the Uh, last guy I would
3: ever think as a. If I were a TV executive, I'd love his knowledge. I would love to get his actual input on the game. But what are you really going to get? I mean, what what would make you think he's going to be good behind the mic? Let's let's get him behind the mic and explain the game to people. I mean, is he going to do it in that sour tone? And even if he livens it up a bit, it's still going to sound dreadfully dull compared to everybody else energy-wise. He's just – he doesn't have that
0: – he doesn't have that energy. Yeah. Well, and I think here's another interesting thing he's, he's talking about, and I've always just heard this as like a rumor. I've never seen it like official or anything like that, but, um, you know, NFL games not being played on Friday or Saturday, mm-hmm. just in honor of high school football and college football. Well, the game in Brazil is going to be on a Friday. So yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be the first time that it, that's happened in 54 years, uh, that they played a game on Friday night.
3: So people texting in, uh, talking about Romo. On the broadcast, Romo's hands are huge. munster <laughs> <laughs> Is
0: that
3: Herman Munster? Is that what that's supposed to be? Yeah. munster <laughs> I've never noticed that. Does he, does Tony have huge hands? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Others saying Romo made a great field goal holder. Yeah. Yeah. He did well. That's he right.
0: Did. We, he, uh, he did. That was one of the loudest I've ever heard. The stadium. And that was Jordan Babino, our guy Babs. Big play, Babs. Remember, Romo fumbled the yeah. the hold, and then he tried to take off running. Because I remember when it was snapped, and there was a huge, you know, uh, outburst in the crowd. And then when he starts running, everybody kind of quieted down. And then when Babs tackled him, that place just went nuts. That was that was one of the better plays that's happened at that field.
3: Yeah, you know the the other thing that. Uh... That, that cracked me up being on social media after the game, Dave, is the word rigged was trending. Oh, my goodness. Was trending. And I'm like, hold on a minute. I was hearing from so, very reputable sources on social media that weren't crazy at all, completely rational people, that this entire season was set up for the Chiefs to win, for Kelsey to get on his knee in front of the world out there and propose marriage to Taylor Swift, who would then show her, give her endorsement to Joe Biden. And I didn't see any of that. And, you see, and there's no way those people could be wrong because they're well-researched and very thoughtful in that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, that's that's kind of weird that that didn't come true because it seemed realistic that the whole league would be in on this to get the Chiefs to be <laughs> the winners from the beginning of the season. If the league were going to rig the season, which is an impossibility— to get every team and every member of every team and every staff, every coaching staff, and then put billions and billions of dollars at risk, but never mind the obvious. And, and uh, don't have nobody says anything to anyone. Not a word, not a word. Yeah, <laughs> no. Nah. It's just, uh, you know, keep all that realism in mind. The idea that they would pick the, the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams, wouldn't they then, if they were going to pick a team to prop up, wouldn't it be the Cowboys? America's, America's team. team America's team that's got fans all over the world, all over the country. I mean, I would argue they probably have the biggest fan base nationally and all over the world, don't you
0: think? Yeah, absolutely. They're like Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Notre Dame, everybody knows who Notre Dame is. Everybody knows who the Cowboys are. I don't know who that would be in basketball. The Lakers, maybe— you think or Boston Celtics, yeah, probably Lakers or Celtics, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it,
3: yeah, I would think it's, I think they have the biggest, you have the most to gain by the Cowboys becoming relevant again in that way, being a Super Bowl champion.
0: I don't know if it's still that way. I know the Raiders were, were very high, highly yeah. ranked as far as, you know, being the most popular franchises, but yeah, I, I would think the Cowboys would be the ones that would be, uh, that would benefit the most from this, uh, this this massive rigging. rigged <laughs> this NFL season yeah and nobody would say anything about it and but i think you know when you when you come to the point of like those kinds of things that are are being said and you look at the people that are saying them i have to say this they don't they don't know ball, Bob. <laughs> no, I mean they haven't watched that much football. Do you even need to they know really... football to understand no. how asinine that that uh, is? No, you to... don't. That's <laughs> I was joking. Yeah, it, it really. I mean, if you watch enough games, knowing how things happen, and you see, you know, you see a guy fumble and then scurry for it like his life is on the line, and you know, I mean. That's not done on purpose. You can you can see. You can you can just kind of get a sense for it. So anyway. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see what Tom Brady sounds like. I'm I'm kind of excited for that. i I've, I've been a Brady fan for a while. How did you do you have a problem with Olsen? He's another
3: guy people love to rip. I I don't have a problem with him. Again, okay. I'm not dialed into every word he says, but he seems fine when I am paying attention to him. He seems I don't understand why people have a big issue with it. I've, I've seen people say he's got an agenda. He doesn't like the Seahawks. I never
0: got that from him, but others are hearing that. Well, I think they're saying that because he said he had buyer's remorse after coming here for that, mm. that year, that last year. You know who I like? I like Mark Sanchez. I yeah, think, I, I think I, he's I just fine, too. I think he does a good job, and I, I think he kind of calls it like Every guy, you know, he's not up there trying to be too fancy with all the terminology and things like that. He explains it. And to me, that's what you're there for, man. You're a guy like Mark Sanchez, you know, all these quarterbacks, they know the game really well, right? And, you know, because they've been part of it and everybody watches the quarterback and it's all about the offense and everything. And yet... You know, they could use all of the the fancy terms and things like that just to dazzle people, which people usually do that in this business because they're trying to impress their, their co-workers. Yeah. Yeah, this is all for... I'm gonna show I'm gonna show Bob how much I know about ball, so I'm gonna start throwing out a bunch of ta- fancy terms. You're gonna and lose the majority of your audience. Yeah, nobody cares about that. They don't. They don't want that. They want it explained in layman's terms. And look, there are some people that are like, "Hey, I know football. I don't need you to tell me that." Okay, that's fine. But they're the minority.
3: Yeah. We, how many texts do we get? And this is not a knock. I like that people text these questions in, but they're like, "What do you? What do they mean when when Dave says they're going under a block?" Yeah. What, what does that mean when Dave says strong side versus weak side? Or when Dave talks yeah. about an A, what's the A gap compared to the B and the C yeah. gap? Stuff that may seem remedial to those that love to traffic and coach speak, if you will. Yeah. And that's fine. There's, a, there's an audience for that. I get it. But especially on a national broadcast, that's not how... Most football fans communicate, and they're not going to understand. If you start talking like that, you're going to go right. right over their heads. They're going to go, I don't know what the spider two, why banana?
0: What, yeah. what the hell well, does that mean? Well, and like <laughs> I was saying about, uh, yeah, good, good point. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that you hear. And by the way, spider, why banana could be called, uh, you know, orange crush somewhere else or yeah. corn dog or whatever. Yeah, I
3: like corn dog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine, like, the people in my neighborhood who are, you know, mostly from other countries and they, you know, they're big soccer fans and things like that. If they were trying to, you know, watch the NFL and watch a game and kind of get into it. If you have somebody throwing out all of these ridiculous terms and lingo and everything, it's like, I can't even understand this language, and I'm not enjoying the game.
3: Well, I believe we've got our guy now joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He uh, covers sports media for The Athletic. He is Richard Deitch.
4: Richard, how are you, sir? What's up, fellas? Sorry about uh, the delay, but... uh great to
3: be on with you no no worries at all we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us and we've obviously been uh, re- retelling the tale of last night's game and what stood out on the field what stood out in commercials blah blah halftime show all that good stuff i'm curious i haven't seen any any official ratings come out of, of this game and i don't know if you have or not at this point but is is the expectation that it's just going to get bigger every year is going to be the new record that this will top last year and last year top the year before type of thing
4: well, I think the expectation this year is probably a little bit different for a number of reasons, uh, but your, you know, your, your thought process is in the right place. This, unless something extraordinary happens, I would expect this to surpass Fox's um, record last year, which is 115.1 million, and, and quite frankly, I think it'll pass it by a lot. Um, one, you had an overtime game, obviously, um, and that alone means that you know, word of mouth, um, people not giving up the game because it's a blowout, So you're essentially building your audience, which doesn't always happen in the Super Bowl, but in this case it would. If you were invested in the game, there's no way you would have turned it off in overtime. Um, So that's big. Obviously, in terms of the time that overtime existed, you know, a little after 10 o'clock on the East Coast, 7 o'clock where you guys are, you're talking like significant audience because audience continues to grow, particularly on the West Coast, as we get closer to prime time. So these are all, in terms of like the metrics of the stuff, really good. Then you had two teams, which I think... Are pretty good national teams just in terms of general interest. The Chiefs, in particular, are for neutrals a really really interesting team because they have you know arguably the best player in the league in Patrick Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey, obviously, who you know so many new people know because of his connection too. And then we finally get to the last part: Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> and I do think that's a legitimate reason why this game will pop. I, I do think you've probably had couldn't tell you the exact number. But I think you can make a fair estimate that there were a couple million people who normally would not watch the Super Bowl who tuned in to see her.
0: Hey, Richard, we were just talking about uh, the some of the talk, and it usually comes out the week before the Super Bowl, and about games being rigged in the NFL. And, you know, of course, it was, it was rigged the, for the Chiefs to get in there because, you know, Taylor Swift and all that stuff. And I don't know how much you hear that. I feel like it's new. It's people that are new to football that don't know all the intricacies okay. and things that could possibly go wrong with that. But uh, how often are you hearing that a little bit more just because of all the new viewership?
4: uh well maybe i'm a pentagon asset or a cia psychop everybody's complicit yeah Yeah, everybody that's right deep i mean you're talking to the deep state here in toronto um so i think what happens or i should say for this case what has happened in this case is when you have someone who is so famous as she is and, and you can make the argument Uh, the most famous musician in the United States, which means to me, you know, one of the 10 most recognizable people in the country. So we're just talking levels of fame that are, you know, are sort of at a a different sort of place for most people. Um, And then you immerse her into what is the most, the biggest communal experience that Americans have every year. And that's the Super Bowl. There's probably nothing else in the country that comes close to, you know, that many Americans doing the same thing uh, at one time and particularly in a, you know, in a world now of polarization, it's kind of a miracle in some ways that this many people watch the Super Bowl. So then I think what this does is I just think you, I think you nailed it. I think what it does is it just brings people who normally are like, yeah you know, they don't know much about the NFL. They don't know much about sports. You know, I'm sure there are some people, I mean, you know, in good faith, I'm not talking the bad faith people who good faith think it's like, yeah, is this scripted? You know what I mean? Is this like professional wrestling? And um, you would hope, at least after maybe watching one or two football games, if nothing else, you, you, know, you hope that it's not scripted. It would be pretty hard to. At the same time, though, of course, you know, like in terms of if you were going to write a script for Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift, you, know, you would write it where the Chiefs win in overtime. The only thing that would have changed is, of course, Travis Kelsey catching the game-winning touchdown. But this has been interesting. It's, kind of been, um, it's been interesting to me as someone who's written about media for a long time. To see the nexus of like the popular culture media, like mm. morph into NFL culture, and this is why you have seen, you know, from the CNNs to the New York Times is to TMZ. You've just seen everybody cover the Super Bowl because there is this like seminal pop culture figure who's part of it.
3: Yeah, it, it certainly has been different. I love it. I, I for personally the fact that there's a, a segment of the fan base that gets. You know, into a little tizzy anytime she's shown on screen, just <laughs> fill, right. fills yeah. me full of delight. I got to tell you, but but uh, you know, you you wrote you wrote uh, an article here that I think is interesting because my my co-host and I have have railed about some of these games being on you know Peacock or being on this streaming service, and same in baseball season where it's oh this is an Apple TV game, this is a YouTube game, and damn kids. Well, and, it, and it's just <laughs> you know it's just not convenient. It's not convenient in the way that you know we're used to, where you're watching a game. Commercial comes on. You just hit one button, and it takes you to another channel. You can watch another game, and you can channel surf. You can't do that. You got to you got to bounce out of this app. You got to you got to log back in. It's cumbersome. It's not easier. It's not streamlined. But uh, you know, some people were speculating. Well, at some point, is the Super Bowl going to be a pay per view event? Is it is it going to get to that point where you know the biggest game in all of sports is going to be one that you now have to pay for? And you wrote. You wrote uh, a story about that. For those that didn't get a chance to read it, kind
4: of give us your
3: take on that whole idea.
4: Yeah, so, you know, because I think a lot of fans, you know, consumers, people who are football fans, they saw the Peacock game and they saw the NFL make a big hullabaloo hullabaloo about it. The game drew 23 million people, which was a record for streaming. You know, I think people start to think, oh, my God, it's like, you know, is this the beginning of I got to get Peacock or I got to get Amazon to – the NFL playoff games. The one thing I would say to you, you as a general rule, never bet against the NFL when it comes to them fattening their bank accounts. Like, as a general rule, money rules everything for the NFL. That said, they have pretty ironclad contracts with all their current media partners until 2033. And I don't think they would think at all about breaking those contracts to put the Super Bowl behind a paywall. It, it sort of would not make contractual sense for them to blow up their existing agreements for some, you know what I'm saying? Like even like pie in the sky, crazy bid, let's say from Netflix or something like that. What I would say though, is that after 2033, I, I'm, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say all bets are off, but I would pay attention because there should be a new commissioner at that point, And it will be interesting Given the current – some of the owners, I should say, may not be owners anymore. Maybe their children will be owners, et cetera. And if the ownership and the commissioner changes, maybe they have a different philosophy when it comes to the NFL postseason. They would have to gamble a little bit by doing something that extreme because I think Congress would get involved. You even saw some Congress people, whether it was performative or not, getting you know sort of ticked off about the Peacock game. The Super Bowl is something that most Americans essentially throughout their lives have always had free, or at least it's always been on network television. Um, Let's hope network television exists, you know what I'm saying, in 2035, and, and there still is a CBS and an ABC and NBC. I expect there to be, even with less viewers. I don't think it'll go away that quick. But I would just say that's, to me, in terms of the piece that I wrote, everybody basically sort of all like industry experts and people sort of who study this stuff were like, we don't expect it to happen. During this current contract. But after the current contract, then pay attention to the sort of things around the NFL and you may get an inkling. If you want my own personal opinion, I, I think, where are we in 2024? I think yeah. we're a minimum 2025 20, years pretty safe from the Super Bowl and conference championships being on some kind of big, broad reach kind of network. Um, but if you're asking me, you know, something crazy, 2050, 2060, yeah. You know, my 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 thought is I mean, I don't think I would bet against everybody having to pay for everything. I just sort of think that's where the future
0: is. Hey Richard, uh, we've kind of uh, posed this question um, and it is what would what would turn people away from the NFL? We've talked about well, what if somebody dies on the field? Um, the other yeah. thing would be is if the fix is in, uh, then you know, which I, I think it's probably the toughest sport to to possibly manipulate in that way. But what do you think? Because you know, and I look at when they go streaming, and I'm when you look at the NFL Network, like they have everything is you know they have lots of commercials about you know, uh, people who are underprivileged and things like that. And for people to not just be able to get on TV and watch the game, I just, you have to pay for it, you know, maybe that. But what do you think could, could bring the NFL down?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's and it's a question that a lot of people have asked for a long time. And I remember, you know, there were some really thoughtful people 10, 15 years ago um, who wrote some really good pieces about concussions and how this was going to be the beginning mm. of the end the NFL and youth football numbers were going to go down. Right. Nobody was going to play high school anymore, and this would be the end. It's going to go like boxing. I never bought that. I, I personally, for me, I think it is so embedded in the culture of the United States that I, I don't think there's anything that could eliminate it or end it. So that let's start. That's my thesis, sort of at a base level. Like. I think it's just too embedded for it to go away. By the way, boxing and horse racing still exist. You know what I'm saying? Even if they're not as popular as they were in the 30s. That, That said, I think the only thing that could decrease it would be two things massive scandals, like multiple massive scandals of game fixing or people not believing the games are on the up and up. But a lot of times, you know, even like leagues can get around that. Look at the NBA with Tim Donahue. Eventually, like, you know, people came back to that. And then, and again, I don't think this is going to happen because I think it would have happened already. Parents around the country just basically making decisions in mass, saying we're not putting our kids in, um, in football as a sport. But again, I would just go back to boxing, MMA, horse racing. All these sports that were popular in the United States, like way before all of us were born, they may not be as popular now, but they, they're not extinct. You know what right. I mean? Like, they, like the Kentucky Derby, it's still watched by 18 million people every year. So there's no way I see the NFL um, sort of ex- being extinct in my lifetime, my kids' lifetime, or their grandkids' lifetime. You know, I hate to sort of be this uh, cavalier, but if I was going to Vegas, I'd put some money down on the NFL.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd be right there next to you. Uh, Richard Deitch of The Athletic has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob. Hey, Richard, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us. We appreciate it.
0: got it. Thank you, guys. Good stuff, man. There
3: you go. Richard Deitch, sports media reporter for The Athletic and host of uh, the Sports Media with Richard Deitch podcast. So you can check that out. Our thanks to him. Coming up, did Kyle Shanahan commit a crucial mistake in the Super Bowl? We'll weigh in on that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.